Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sally James, and on today's episode, we'll be looking back at Fulham's fourth victory in a row, a fairly routine, mostly routine at times, 2-0 win over Cardiff City on Friday night at the Cottage. And are Fulham making a late gate crash towards the automatic promotion places? Well, if it's a gate crash, it's a bit like turning up at 5am once the main DJ's gone home and pretty much everyone doesn't care if you come in or not. Uh, on today's podcast, I've got Adam for Carson. How you doing? Good, thanks, Sammy. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Drew Heatley. Hi. And back for her second appearance on the podcast, Isabel Barker. How you doing? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me back. No, that's all right. It would sound like it was on purpose if we hadn't invited you back on a podcast in nearly four months after making your debut. But there was this small <laughs> thing called a pandemic that kind of stopped us recording. So I hope you didn't take that personally or anything. It was more just situation rather than anything else. Oh, it's all good. I don't take it personally. <laughs> Good you could be here, Isabel, and uh, lots to discuss on the show today. Um, let's start off, though, with some three-word reviews. Drew, you had a look through what came in. Yeah, um, we've got uh, we've got a few today. Um, Fulham FC, Steve, automatic, still possible. Uh, I'm not so sure about that, but I guess any, uh, yeah. know, it's mathematically <laughs> possible. Um, Brett Rowlands, difference, Mitro's buzz cut. Uh, yeah. Lewis, who is at Le, uh, Le Louis Marchand. Uh, is different breed read and uh one from uh instagram josh M- josh mcwilliams says barbers makes car difference there's a lot of um a lot of onoma puns but none of them really land none of them, none of them really are quite right so i haven't I haven't gone with any of those i'm afraid oh wow you've been quite critical of the three word reviews today drew they're not, <laughs> not up to your uh, required standards sorry guys i mean they're all great but uh, there was just none that really got me on onoma so i left him out are you saying the Fulham fan base doesn't meet your expectations in terms of um, pun intelligence? Uh, absolutely would not go down a, a trodden path from Mr. Farrell Monk. I love everybody, but uh, just none that I saw. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's um, start off um, by looking at the lineup and uh, a couple of surprises there from Scott Parker um, with, with Christie coming in for Adoy and, and also Knockart coming into the side. However, Isabel, no surprise to see Alexander Mitrovic returning. And as Drew alluded to there, the buzz cut is is back and I don't know if it's the aerodynamics or something like that but he clearly had upped his game uh, on Friday from those opening two performances we saw against Brentford and then in the Leeds game where subsequently he got suspended it was good to have Mitro back in the side oh yeah he he definitely meant business I felt like a lot of the pundits were kind of saying you know he owes it to the side and things like that but I felt like he, I feel like he's a lot more professional like that. He he walked out on the pitch. He meant business, and I think he was very sorry about his ban. He was very mature about it, and yeah. I think we were really glad to see him back. Um, he didn't complain once about the ban, um, and yeah, it was great to see him back. And um, yeah, glad to see it. Yeah, definitely, indeed. And, and Adam, it wasn't the best start to the game, though, was it? I felt like Cardiff very much started the stronger. And I guess you'd expect that. They were high on confidence. Um, Neil Harris has them well drilled. And they were he was probably saying to them, get your noses in front against this Fulham team and you probably will get the result. But still, we were masters of our own downfall a lot for, for some, of, some of our sloppiness in, in that opening half hour. And it wouldn't have been unjust if Cardiff had taken the lead. Absolutely, yeah. Cardiff did come out of the blocks um, with a little bit of panache about them. I wasn't uh, really too happy about our start to the game, but I've seen us start a lot of games like this. And sometimes it's a case if we weather that storm, we obviously come out on top at the end of the game. Um, So one moment that stood out for me was definitely when Harry Arter got dispossessed, passed the ball into Mendes Lang's path. You know, if it wasn't for Tim Ream pushing him a little bit wide... We're 1-0 down and it could have been a very different game. Obviously, they they, they had their chances, but Drew... We are becoming quite a wily 
team, aren't we? We're becoming quite a, a sage team who knows how to ride out difficult openings and, and grow into games and take those opportunities when they come to us. It feels like such a different place from literally it was two weeks ago. And I think you were on the post Leeds podcast mm-hmm. and we were, we were sat here talking about Scott Parker's future, asking whether the playoffs were even in doubt. And I guess that's part and parcel of this kind of quick format of games is actually it can turn around on a sixpence and and suddenly some of the parker out stuff we were talking about looks a bit clumsy because he's come back in such an emphatic way although it hasn't been emphatic at times i'm, I'm just basically i still haven't made my mind up over the whole situation i'm still kind of baffled about it all <laughs> yeah i think uh, we, we've not blown anyone away in a, in a long time and i think uh, i saw a tweet from farrell i think he said it's our sixth win by more than one goal out of 22 games out of the last 22 games so it's like uh, you know we, we're, we're very sort of workhorse type team at the moment there's no but there's no sort of real uh, we're not taking things by the scruff in the neck and blowing anyone away which I know we've said a few times in, in seasons gone by we've always just been waiting for that to happen and I don't think that's going to come uh, towards the end of the season I think we're going to continue sort of not necessarily even grinding out these results but it, although the score lines might suggest it just but just you know calmly putting them more putting them in the bag and, and going on um, obviously you know post Leeds we were talking about Parker but it still stands that can he change a game when we're when we're down there's it's very well sort of uh holding out when we're level and uh, and then when we when we get the lead he can always he can always see those out the stats speaks for itself but there, you know there are still huge question marks over Scott um but having said that I don't want to go down that route when we've just got our fourth win on the spin I don't think that's the conversation for now to be fair no it isn't it's just it's just kind of a strange one isn't it but actually is Isabel, it has all turned around and particularly the clean sheets as well. We've now, um, I think it's um, obviously three games pretty much that we haven't conceded considering we conceded in like the first minute of the QPR game. So nearly three full 90 minute matches that we actually haven't conceded a goal. But I wouldn't exactly say it's been stonewall defending sometimes it's looked a bit suspect but we are just grinding out those results it, it feels it feels positive and and that's quite nice but I'm still thinking that any moment it's going to go wrong it, it, it maybe that's Fulhamish yeah for sure I've, I've always said this that it's as important to have you know an inform Hector um you know Christy Brian Ream as it is Mitrovic um but I think in the Cardiff game we noticed that with how physically imposing they are as a team um people like Ream and even Brian at the start they it looked a bit of a mismatch I think Ream with all due respect he looked a little bit um wasn't enough gas in the tank maybe and he was getting out muscled so like like you say, we've we've had those good clean sheets, but um, it's been a bit touch and go as to whether we get them. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, there was particularly that moment not long before we actually scored when uh, Tim Ream, I, I'm not 100% sure what he was trying to do. I think he tried to do a back pass to Rodak from around the halfway line and it went out for a Cardiff corner. A team who Scott Parker must have been drilling into their heads for the past three days. Don't give away set pieces. Don't give away unnecessary free kicks. Don't give away unnecessary corners. And then Tim Ream gives one from about 45 yards into his own half. (laughs) Scott Parker must have been going like, I can coach these guys as much as I want, but if they're going to do stupid things like that and I'm going to be the one that gets in trouble for it, then then what could I do? Um, But... But Adam, we did, as I say, kind of weather the the Cardiff storm. Mendes Lang didn't take the chances that he should have. And 34 minutes on the clock and Mitrovic uses his experience to buy that penalty out of Sanderson, the Cardiff um, fullback, who who was inexperienced making that challenge, wasn't he? It was it was naivety to try and think that if you're going to tug Mitro's shirt, even the slightest, he's going down. He's not going to miss that opportunity to try and get a penalty, is he? Absolutely. I mean, whilst he did, you know, as you say, use experience to get the penalty, it was a penalty any day of the week. So um, I'm glad it was given because there are a lot of referees that necessarily would have thought it's Mitrovic. No, you know, he's probably given as good as he got. We're not going to give that penalty to him. But as you say, if it maybe wasn't um, a fullback making that challenge, maybe it's a centre-back. He's Maybe they've got a little bit more about them when they're around Mitrovic mm. just to, you know, not get a hold of his shirt and, 
um, not give away that penalty, but he didn't he convert it well. Yeah. Oh my God. What a pen. And I'm not, I'm not confident when Mitro takes penalties either. I, I, I guess I've seen him miss that a couple of crucial ones. Obviously he missed that one against Swansea not too long ago. Um, but yeah, brilliant penalty from Mitro. Uh, but Drew, we really should have gone two nil up before half time. Both of the best chances came through Bobby Deckard over Reed. Now one wasn't really a good chance, but it was an unbelievable shot from him that was well saved by Smithies. But then we did see the kind of other side of Bobby Reed where that, ch- that cross from Anthony Knockart was a great cross. It was a great crossfield ball as well to Knockart. Uh, and Bobby Reed's got to be burying that. Before I get your opinion on it, I wanted to shout out um, our man, George Singer, who set up his new Twitter account, SW6Stats. He's said here, for me, one of the unluckiest players this season has been Bobby Decadova reed There are lots of reasons why a player could score less than expected, but our friend Natural Variance is likely playing a significant factor here. And it's got a chart, basically, which shows players that are scoring more than expected, given the kind of chances that they've had, and scoring less than expected. And you've got most players along a line that you'd expect. And actually, Mitrovic is bang on this line. Um, Kamara has scored slightly more than expected, as has Tom Kearney and even Cavallero. But way down in the scoring less than expected is Bobby Decker dover reed And well, I think what George is saying here is that it's it seems to be he's suggesting it's down to luck. But I don't know. I, part of me thinks confidence is a factor here as well. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on, on Decker dover reed I think it's it's absolutely confidence thing. He, get, he it's not as if he's always out of position, never gets himself into these scoring positions and these situations. He, he is actually the fact that we're talking about these chances, is, you know, shows that he does. Um, I just think I said it last time I was on the pod. The, the the break came at such a bad time for him, and I think he is quite a confidence player. And I can remember earlier on in the season when he was having similar issues, where we were all just willing him to score, willing him to score. And then he, he finally got his goal, and I can't remember who it was against. But we were all so absolutely buzzing. You know, but, uh, Bobby, duck is over, read, free word reviews, left, right and centre. Because he is such a likeable player because of his work rate and his and his endeavour and his, and his industry. So, you know, it's a confidence thing. And I think we've seen this story already this season, and we'll see it again uh, we'll see hopefully see him uh, break that duck again but um, he's running out of games to do it yeah and then second half Isabel I mean I felt like we were fairly comfortable throughout the whole thing I kind of expected a bit more of a resistance from Cardiff there wasn't really too many moments of note from them yeah, um, I agree. I think when we all saw Mendes, um, you know, charging up the right, I think, um, well, I was a bit scared. And and as I said before, Reem looked a bit scared. But then, yeah, they kind of drifted off. And I think we, in and at that point, we saw flashes of um, a bit of, you know, midfield magic from a few of our players. And they really started to grow into it. Um, I think players that maybe had been a bit reckless or a bit nervous at first, maybe like... Um, Notcar, um, even Arter, um, they they did a few yeah. good passes. They grew into it, and I kind of had a sense that we would hold it out, and it, and it was going to be ours. Yeah, I I never felt that worried in this game. I don't feel worried. We go one nil up, and I'm weirdly calm. I'm kind of like, yeah, I've almost got this. Oh, this is done, which is a stupid <laughs> thing to think because it's going to like come back and bite us. But I guess we are that looking that good when one nil up. We keep so much possession and don't concede an awful lot of chances. Really, I guess we kind of saw it a bit against QPR, where actually they we got a bit lucky to get away with it. But actually in this game, there wasn't really a, a kitchen sink moment at all from Cardiff. Um, AF, let's talk about Stefan Johansson. He comes on for Harry Arter on 60 minutes. Um, within six minutes, he's probably done the assist of the season to Josh Onoma. That little reverse pass, no one saw it coming, least of all the Cardiff City defence. But Josh Onoma did kind of predict it. And what a lovely finish. One of my favourite goals of the season, weirdly. Yeah, absolutely. I I think for me as well, uh, Steph Joe's introduction was a breath of fresh air to that game. Uh, We could already see that we we were starting to get a little bit more space. And Josh Onoma did a great job all game of taking some of their defenders away from the rest of our midfield. I think that's what allowed... Steph Joe to really thrive so you know uh, Onoma pushing forward allowed Steph Joe to push forward and then he was able to put some neat passes into dangerous areas so the assist for that goal is to say assist for the season but it doesn't get scored but let's say if that's probably Deckard over Reed 
because it's a confidence thing. Onoma is on fire at the moment, taking a first touch and then slamming into that corner. But they must have been doing some shooting practice recently because there's been so many clean hits of our goals. They don't mm. seem to be scuffed in quite as often. Uh, that was really well precise goal. Yeah, well, I did see on the um, Fulham Twitter, they did post a few clips on, on the Twitter of them uh, doing some shooting drills. So yep. uh, have you been like Bielsa in the bushes, AF? And actually, you knew that. You just, um, <laughs> you're saying maybe they have, but actually you've been there for a week at Motspur Park with binoculars That's out. That's exactly it. I live down the road, so I just thought I'd pop down there and watch their shooting practice. Uh, Bobby Decker <laughs> was uh, sitting in the corner having a drink, but the rest of them were doing it. Um. So the rest of the game um, was all fairly routine. I feel like uh, we made a million substitutions as Scott Parker likes to do and brought on a million defenders. Drew, let's talk about the midfield. Does Kearney get back in this side? Because I put it out there on the Twitter afterwards that I don't know if he automatically does. And I still think a midfield triumvirate of Onoma, Reed, Johansson is a really, really solid midfield championship three. And and I I don't know where Kenny naturally comes back into that. Who do, who do you take out? Yeah, it's it's an interesting question because, you know, we we've had the similar conversation with with Mitro as well. I think it's a testament to the to the team that we and whether that's the coaching or, or whatnot, I don't, I'm not uh, I'm not sure. But it's a testament that we can we can rotate and we can play better with uh, without our talismanic players. Um, for me, it's difficult, isn't it? He's the club captain, and you know that still holds. Well, he's 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 uh, yeah, he's the club captain. It still holds weight. He um, he probably. He probably will go back in, um, but you can't. You certainly can't get rid of Onoma at the moment. You, and Reed is he's uh, is, is one of the first names on there. So, yeah, I, I, the answer is I don't know. I suspect he will come back in um, because you know I don't think Parker's one to uh, upset the apple cart in that way. He was uh, a big reason on those two re- uh, Mitro and Kearney re-signing in the summer. Uh, so I can't imagine he's going to put their noses out of joint. But yeah, it's just it's just a testament to the boys that they can sort of really pull it out of the bag even when the the so-called star players aren't there um isabel in a bizarre turn of fate um it's you in the dressing room on tuesday and you've got to pick the side uh to face west brom tom kearney's fit do you start him um well i i think with how much weight is on the game and where we're at in the you know coming to playoffs if I think that's what's what the likely outcome is going to be. I think with yeah. his experience, um, how important you can tell uh, he may not be the biggest character, but you can tell the influence he has on all the players and how he really stepped up in when we were last in the playoffs. I think we really need him at this point. Um, with him, we are kind of this sort of we're a bit preem to perfection. It's kind of he's more slick than Onoma. Onoma's um, what I really like about Onoma is he's kind of a bit reckless, a bit rash. He's fast. He drives it up the pitch, which is great. But I think just at this point of the season, we've got to have Kearney. And I think when we don't have him, we probably don't, when we have him, I mean, we don't notice the little things that he does um, that are so important. They probably go unnoticed. But um, yeah, so so I would start here with, with how much is kind of riding on the game and at this point in the season. So who do you take out? Assuming that um, we'd always, we'd stick with a similar formation. Um... See, I think it's been hit and miss with Onoma and um, Kearney playing together. I think sometimes they play really well um, and they kind of drive each other up the pitch where Onoma helps Kearney drive up the pitch. But then Kearney has played really well without him. So maybe I'd take Onoma out. I'm not I'm not Ooh, so sure. Though. Controver- yeah. Controversial. I I still think, I think at the moment you do, and I, and I would like to think Scott Parker would believe this deep down in himself that you, you earn your place on the pitch. So I feel like yeah. you, you can't drop players in form. The only one I could potentially see it for, I guess, is instead of either Arta or Johansson, but they play a kind of different role, those two, that I don't think Kearney plays brilliantly. You know, I guess... You know, Steffi Johansson is a bit more than just a man that breaks up play, but and and but can Kearney do that role alongside Onoma? I think you're correct. I, he he clashes so much with other players, doesn't he? And mm. it's almost like that. Um, it, it, Kearney's great, but finding players that complement Kearney or 
like vice versa is is very very difficult um adam just quickly back to the match uh what were your thoughts on the penalty that wasn't given for fulham um it looked like a fairly clear handball um from the cardiff defender um i think it was nelson who who handballed it I, i thought it was a great spot from the referee um, Gavin Ward for the one that was given so I was quite surprised that he wasn't on the money with that one or one of his linesmen didn't see it either because the Sky commentator who is much further away than both of them knew it was a penalty without seeing any replays correct he seemed to see it straight away he flagged it up I think every fan at home flagged it up and sometimes you see by their reaction as well and um, Nelson turned straight around to the referee and he was looking at him but obviously it wasn't given it is a strange one I wonder whether the fact that he had given a penalty before means he's less likely to give one again. The ref, I know that can have an influence mm. on games as well. He's thinking, oh, I can't give another one here. But yeah, it was more a penalty than the first one. Yeah, it's a strange decision. And uh, we probably should have gone and made it three late on, but little did it matter really. And um, we are where we are. And it's, as as um, as you mentioned, not many wins by more than one goal this season. <laughs> it, I did, I did okay. feel really strange uh, in the last few minutes to uh, to feel quite so calm. They say 2-0 is the most dangerous scoreline, but I mean, obviously that's utter tosh. Um, it, was, <laughs> <laughs> it was quite nice to see the game out in a rather calm fashion. And again, you said we could have made it three thanks to uh, thanks to a chance from uh, Kamano and there was one from Cav as well, wasn't there? So... It was, a, it was yeah. a nice change. Which would have been nice to put the icing on the cake. But at the moment, it's a bit irrelevant, really. Goal difference isn't playing anything into it. And as long as we get the win, we get the win. So looking at the rest of the table, um, hasn't gone quite to plan this weekend. It was a nice Friday feeling of like, OK, we've won our game. The pressure's on everyone else. Um, but Brentford went up to Derby, which I thought was a banana skin for Brentford and they kind of swept Derby aside. That Ben Rama goal is absolutely outrageous. Um, West Brom though, drew against Blackburn and leads today won one nil in the last minutes through Hernandez. Um, Drew, where do you see the state of play at the moment? We'll do a preview of the actual West Brom game in a moment, but in terms of the table and where it all lies, Obviously, we now have this game on Tuesday and we have this inner moral battle of beat West Brom and we could, well, we are handing Brentford automatic promotion in their own hands. It doesn't mean they'll go up, but it means that it's in their hands. And that's quite a nasty feeling that kind of, I don't know, I don't like it. (laughs) It's a bit of a sickener, isn't it? But... I think if we're honest with ourselves, uh, Brentford are going to break their way into the top two, whether we beat West Brom on Tuesday or not. I think um, whether we beat West Brom on Tuesday or not determines, uh, I think will determine whether we finish third or fourth, but I'm fairly convinced it's going to be a Leeds Brentford one, two, and then uh, West Brom will either be third or they might fall as far as fourth, depending on how we do against them and in our, in our final games. Um, It's going to be horrible to, to give them that in their own hands, but I mean, you just have to look. I mean, you just have to look at their goal difference and the way they've played this season. They're gonna, they're gonna gate crash that top two, and and it doesn't really matter uh, what we do. I, I'm afraid. Do you think? Because I do think if they beat us, West Brom will go up. Because you look at their final two games: Huddersfield away, QPR at home. QPR at home will roll over for West Brom. There is absolutely no doubt. Yes, Huddersfield in a bit of danger, but if you saw how meekly they lost to Luton on Friday, it's not a team in confidence that I would have a huge amount of hope in. And I know the Championship can throw up surprises, but do you not think that if West Brom either get a point or three against us on Tuesday, that's it? They're up. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they do have uh, particularly easy easy fixtures on paper. I just, I don't know, the, the, the momentum that's with Brentford at the moment, six in a row since lockdown has been, uh, since the, the restart, it's just, it, they just seem like a bit of an un, unstoppable force. Um, but you are right, the West Brom do have the favourable fixtures, but I, I just can't, I just can't see any other thing than, than what I said earlier. I just think that's going to be the way the top four it's, uh, in particular ends up. Um, AF... Would you throw it on Tuesday? <laughs> Absolutely. Like, that's the thing. It, I, was, I was looking at this and we, we're going to have to, you know, play our best team, try and win that one. Because if we do, it does mean that, you know, we have the momentum of being able to say that we've beaten West Brom, who we might well end up playing in the playoffs uh, amongst Not- Nottingham Forest, who we've also beaten, and Cardiff, who we've also beaten. So all of those teams that are in amongst there, 
we'd have the momentum over. Um, I'd actually think that given Brentford, I hate to say this, it's going to make me feel sick, giving Brentford <laughs> the opportunity for automatic promotion is actually the best opportunity of us going up. And that's what a lot of people said on Twitter when we raised this, but I don't know. It's not like West Brom's have given a, 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 a given winner for us either, but I guess you'd rather be facing a slightly patchy West Brom than this absolutely raging bull at the moment, which is Brentford, Isabel. And it's just, I, I, where, do you, where does your heart lie with this? Where do you see this ending? Because we're kind of in this storm, but it's, it's not looking great for us, whatever happens. Look, we, we need to go into playoffs having our best possible run, getting the best possible results. And if Brentford get automatic promotion, so be it. And if we meet them in the Premier League, I honestly think they won't last. They have a similar format to maybe a team like Norwich, you know, nurturing a lot of academy talents. And it's great in the championship. They look really flashy, but they can get into the Premier League. And I, and I think they'll probably go back down, to be honest. They look unstoppable now, but we, we saw this with Norwich, um, looking really flashy, attractive football, but it doesn't worry me. And I kind of agree with what they both said, um, facing a kind of, yeah, like Apache West Brom in the playoffs. I think I think we can do it. And if Brentford get into automatic, that's fine. We don't need to worry about that. You know, we need to worry about ourselves. Okay. Well, you've convinced me, but I'm still I'm still not loving the situation. I mean, there is still obviously a very outside chance that Fulham can nick it, but obviously we'd have to go up on Tuesday to West to West Brom and win, and then West Brom would have to probably lose one of their games to either Huddersfield or QPR, and of course we need Brentford to drop points somewhere. Their final three Brentford aren't that easy, but then I would have said that Derby away wasn't that easy, and look what happened. But they've got Preston at home on Wednesday. They go up to Stoke on Saturday. Stoke did get a good win today um, and are looking safe-ish, especially if Wigan get the points deduction. And then their final game of the season is at home to Bar- is, is at home to Barnsley, which isn't that easy. Um, it'll be the fin- potentially the final game at Griffin Park if they go up automatically. So I guess there'll be a sentimental value to it. And, you know, we all saw what happened when Agent Trotter went in there. <laughs> we all saw Dan Byrne break their hearts at Wembley. So you never know. Don't put it past Brentford to bottle it, although the odds aren't looking good. I saw Besotted, by the way, um, tweet that they're trying to practice saying the words come on Fulham, but they, they haven't quite um, got to a point where they can actually <laughs> say the words yet. So um, it's going to be interesting texting Billy the Bee on Tuesday and he's actually for once in his life supporting Fulham. Um which will be well be interesting to see anyway we'll take a quick break there um we've got a west brom preview coming up and we're going to be answering your questions as well if you'd like to support the work we do on fulhamish then please consider backing us on our Kofi page on there you can buy us a beer and this money goes towards the day-to-day running of fulhamish which is a bit more expensive to keep going than you might think our Kofi backers get access to our exclusive facebook group receive a discount on our merch store and receive regular updates from the team however we want to keep all our content free to all and we don't believe in paywalls so please only support us if you want to you can either support us monthly or just as a one-off payment. And to do so, head to ko-fi.com forward slash Fulhamish. Kofi is spelt K-O-F-I. That's ko-fi.com forward slash Fulhamish. Thank you very much. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Adam Carson. Hello. Drew Heatley. Good day. And Isabel Barker. Hello, hello. Adam, in the break, you were telling us that Cardiff fans were particularly wound up on Twitter by us winning yeah. on the weekend. Um, I always forget that there's this kind of niggly rivalry between us. It's not really a rivalry, but it. I guess we've just shared so many promotions and relegations together that over the years, there's just become a bit of a dislike between the two. And uh, don't get me wrong, I was not a big fan of them when um, they humped us 4-2 at the Cardiff City Stadium. And uh, that was probably one of the worst days of my life. So what what exactly went down? I've never particularly loved Cardiff, but um, we've definitely seemed to roll them up a lot over the last couple of years. I think that also helped when they had Neil Warnock in charge because you always want to roll them up when he's there. Um, but after the last game, I did see quite a few tweets, uh, specifically at Fulham, Tim Pop Club, the usual ones. But we did get called the Smoked Salmon Gang, which I did particularly enjoy. <laughs> Smoked Salmon Gang. 
I'm, I'm about to have a, a miso salmon burger for my Sunday dinner after this pod. So, uh, you know, if the shoe fits or if the salmon burger fits, then uh, <laughs> they are probably on the money. Sorry, guys. Yeah. I mean, I had some barbecued salmon today, so I guess maybe then I guess maybe they're not wrong. Maybe they've um, maybe they've sussed us out. Maybe they know us better than we know ourselves. Uh, so, well, thank you to Cardiff fans and um, enjoy the championship next year. Uh, let's look ahead to West Brom um, on Tuesday. Massive, massive game. Um, we're going to hear from a West Brom fan in in just a minute. Um, Isabel. What do you make of West Brom? Obviously a very, very talented side and obviously with Slavin Bilic, a talented manager as well. And they've not been terrible since the restart. They've just not been quite as good as Brentford. And for a team, they should have had this sewn up probably in February, March. And now they find themselves really teetering on the edge. And if they lose on Tuesday or lose any of their other games, automatic promotion is out of their hands. And that would be such a sickener for them after what has been pretty much a season completely inside the top two. Yeah, and I think um, Bilic is very riled up um, coming back off the break and with those poor results. He said, his quotes, not mine, in we have done fuck all. Um, and so I think <laughs> the whole side is, um, you know, they've got the fire in their bellies now. And collectively, as you said, they're such a talented side because so many of their goals come from defenders. And I think that's something we have often really missed. Um, and um, they, they haven't really got one star man. They've just collectively, you know, they they flow really well. Um, their fullbacks are so slick. And um yeah, that's what makes them quite a dangerous side, really. Yeah, actually, I hadn't really noticed the defender thing, but Semi Ajayi with five goals, um, Jake Livermore, not quite a defender, but defensive anyway, with three, Dara O'Shea with two, Furlong with two, Bartley with two. Yeah, what well, I'd do for a few more goals like that from the defence. Um, Drew, they've got clear quality in their side. Charlie Austin maybe isn't the player he once was, but still a very good striker at this level. Dean Garner is clearly one of their star men and they play much better when he's in the side. Now he's recovered from injury and, and Pereira, of course, is is the man in the middle that makes them tick and it has that real, real quality, particularly from set pieces, etc. So they've got a lot of quality going forward and, and a decent defence as well. They're a good, strong outfit. You look at that West from team on paper and you think yeah not a bad side lads yeah and they've also got players that you you know the the, the typically unfashionable guys like how robson Carney who knows where the back of the net is in the championship uh but then i guess therein lies the the west brom conundrum that's been there all you know for the last 15 20 years you know they're they're you know they even had robert earnshaw that in their side it, they're, they're who typifies they're not quite good enough for the premier league but too good for the championship and you know so I, 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 you know, I think they're obviously a fantastic side and, and deserve to go up if they do. But um, they, I, I can't see them doing much if they do. Uh, so yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, but uh, on the on Tuesday, I actually think that we'll probably get a draw there. Um, I just think uh, if you look at the form table as well, they're below us now, which is so strange when you think about the start we had. I know we've got four in a row, but we're still feeling those Brentford and Leeds losses. And you can just imagine how you can see how annoyed Billich is and you can understand it because it's, uh, you know, it was a, it was a running start from uh, from uh, the restart and uh, they just haven't they haven't done it. Yeah, and they've drawn a lot of games as well, haven't they? And you look at the amount, they've drawn 15 matches and, you know, just convert a few of extra those into wins and they probably would be safe, but only lost six times this season, which is a big reason that they are hard to beat AF. Do you see Fulham getting a result up at the Hawthorns? I mean, it seems to me basically as simple as if we get the first goal, we'll probably win. If we don't, we'll probably lose. I, th- I think it's... I think there's a, a strong chance for us getting a result in all honesty. The reason is is because West Brom are going to be feeling the pressure as well. We know what pressure can do to teams. We've seen uh, Leeds in the last couple of seasons as well. As soon as they know they have to get these wins, they might change their mentality as well. So where they might have stuck for a draw previously and thought that was a good enough result, they're going to be going all out for the win. So, you know, if they're playing more through balls, they're getting Grisicki, you know, Pereira a little bit further forward, we might be able to actually 
you know, sneak a few more goals in there than we normally would. So, yeah, I think there's a good chance of us getting a result. Um, and just quickly, what changes would you make for the game, um, Drew? What, what would you What would you change? I mean, hard. I guess we just have to assume Kearney may be still out, but hard to know on, on that one. But it seems like a fully fit squad other than that and Kamara as well, I guess. Yeah, I think, um, I, I, yeah, I don't think Kearney will be back. I think it would be unchanged. I, you know, Scott has proven recently that, you know, I think he doesn't like to sort of, as I've said earlier, rock the rock the uh, the boat too much. So I think it will be uh, probably exactly the same uh, side that we had against Cardiff, and that's probably the right decision. Um, obviously, uh, you're looking at the the midfield, and if you had to sacrifice somebody, it'd probably be Arta. But I mean, I don't think there's much there's much point at the moment. I think it will stay the same to start with anyway. Right, well, let's get uh, an opposition view on the match. Uh, Don Betts uh, did this one for us. He was joined by Wayne Gordon from All Things Albion, uh, looking ahead at Tuesday's game of the Hawthorns, and he started off by asking him how confident he is of West Brom securing automatic promotion to the Premier League. Yeah, I'm not as confident as I was, but I'm still pretty confident we got a three-point advantage with three games to go. Um, I I wouldn't say that I'm worried I'd say that I'm aware that you guys are there. Um, but I, I still think we have enough in hand to see us over the line. What's been the difference for West Brom this season, would you say, compared to last season? Because a lot of people sort of compared us under Scott Parker to a bit like you guys under Darren Moore, that, you know, from the outside, it probably looks like he's doing a good job. But then if you've seen what happened with Billich this season, that it's a totally different change. Is, has Billich been the main difference between the West Brom team of last season compared to this year? Yeah, I think so. And I um, I take nothing away from what Darren Moore did last season. We had a great season under Darren Moore. It just sometimes his experience, lack of experience showed and cost us points. A few substitutions left people questioning, you know, what what the point in those was. So, uh, yeah, I, I can see the comparison with Scott Parker there too. Um, but Slavin has been great this season. You can You can see the difference in the way we approach games and the way we handle games is in game management compared to last season is uh, far better what have you made of the championship this season because obviously when you know when you're looking at automatic promotion you usually think you know two points per game but it's not really looking like that this season do you think it's more competitive this season or do you think it's actually been a fairly poor championship season um i think it looks slightly more competitive now than than it should do i think there were a few times this season us and leeds were away and then complacency set in and that allowed others to catch up uh, and they were in the situation we know. I mean, we were 12 points clear at one point. Um, so although it is a competitive league, I, I think the league is slightly more contested than what it probably should have been given the situation we were in a few months ago. So if, if, we're, if we're looking at the West Brom side this season, if, if going into the game, where do you think Fulham needs to be most worried about in this West Brom side? Our wingers are incredible this season and not just the wingers we start with. We got wingers we can bring off the bench that change games. We got Mateus Pereira, Grady Diangana, Callum Robinson and Kamel Grzycki. And these are four players that can change games and influence games. And, and we've seen time and time again that how a control of games on the wing is far superior to many teams we've played this season. Do you think that's also one of the big differences between this season and last season for West Brom is actually the recruitment in the summer? Yeah, absolutely. Our recruitment this year is is incredible compared to previous years. Um, when you look at Matthias Pereira and the fact that we've managed to to wrap that deal up for just over eight million is just sensational. Um, I think when you're a team like West Brom and players know that you're going to be around the top of the table, you know, given a, a, a fair guess, then these players that are not quite getting Premier League playing time are going to want to come. And I think Grady Dan Garner has, has done exactly what Harvey Barnes did last season and let Premier League teams know that this kid's good enough to play games and it's West Brom and Jalbini who have benefited from that. Obviously, when you've got um, Slavon Bilic as your manager, was top two death had to be the aim this season? Or do you think it was just promotion regardless, really? Um, yeah, I think promotion regardless. Um, I don't think many people would have cared how we get up. We know it's a difficult league. 
to get out of and we've seen it swallow up bigger teams than us in the past when you look at Nottingham Forest and the difficulty they're having getting out um, I don't think we'd have really been too picky when it comes to getting out of the league when when you're looking at West Brom and obviously do you do you think it will like promotion was so key this season just in case West Brom did became become a team who couldn't eventually get out of the league like you said with Nottingham Forest and also obviously it looks like Leeds are going to go up this season but obviously with the problems that Leeds have had in the past yeah absolutely I think the the first two seasons in the championship when you come back down a key um, it's difficult to get up the first season we've seen that time and time again it does happen but it's not easy um, I think if you go beyond two or three seasons after coming down you're 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 probably going to start to struggle and it's not such a safe bet that you're going to be up and around there. Do you think when it, when it, especially when it, we we spoke about this sort of, you know, Leeds, West Brom, obviously Fulham, Brentford all going for automatic promotion, that, you know, sort of, are these teams actually going to be less prepared when they get promoted to the Premier League because it's been a, a poor cha- uh, championship season or do you think if West Brom were to go with a manager like Slavin Bilic and the recruitment plan at the club that you'd be in good stead to stay up? I think we'd be in good stead. Um, as I say, we've wrapped up the Prairie deal. Uh, we know he's already working on uh, deals in the Portland. We've also got a really good academy. We've had some good players come through there in the last few years. Um, you, you never know what can happen when you go up. You know, we when we first got up there, we bounced around the divisions for a few seasons before putting together a proper run in the league. So y- you can never really tell. But I think we've got a good manager in place. We've got a good setup behind the scenes. And we've got a good base of a squad. We've got a few players that need to come in. There are quite a lot going out. Uh, Chris Brunt's coming to an end. Gareth Barry's going. Um, these all need to be replaced. So recruitment is key. Uh, but given what we've done this season, there's no reason why we can't build on that. So if, if you if, if you look if you look at when Fulham, for example, were last in the Premier League, obviously everyone knows how much money we spent. Hundred million. Do you think for this West Brom squad, there are a lot of players in there who are actually Premier League quality already, and it'd just be adding a few key players to the team. Yeah, um, I know we're looking to offload a few players as well this summer. Oli Burke um, is one of the ones expected to leave, so we should recoup some money from him. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm never a big fan of, of teams going up and spending a lot of money to try and stay there. I would rather do what we've done over the last few years and spend cautiously and look to compete. But, you know... When you go up there and you spend a lot of money and come straight back down, you leave yourself open to criticism and and you know as you say that's what happened to Fulham last season. So if we t- if we talk about the reverse fixture, obviously it was a one-one draw. We took the lead and uh, Marcus Bettinelli ended up sort of just dropping the ball and West Brom scoring. So when you're going into season and you're, and you're looking at Fulham, do you think? Do you, when you saw how 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 we well we played against you in the reverse fixture, did you expect Fulham to be doing better than we have? If that makes sense. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. Um, kind of, yeah. I mean, I expected us to be strong this season and I, I said I thought that Leeds would finally get up this season. Um, I, I kind of figured that it would come to you guys and Brentford uh, in the playoffs. Um, I wish I'd have put money on it now because they've all kind of come through. Um, I, I think you're about where I expected you guys to be. Uh, as I say, it's so difficult to go into this division first time of asking and with such an inexperienced manager, much the same we had last season, um, yeah, I kind of expected this season from you guys. So if, you, if, if you're looking at the Fulham team from a West Brom perspective, well, everyone, everyone knows about Mitrovic and how many goals he, he scored this season when he was in the championship previously. Is there any of the areas of this Fulham team that worries you ahead of Tuesday's match? I mean, Knockhart seems to score against us every time he plays us. He, he, he gives us a game every time, so... I'm always going to go him. Um, I, li- I quite like Anoma too. Is that, is yeah, that Onoma, yeah. Yeah, my, my black contracts that might be causing havoc with that <laughs> name. But yeah, I quite like him in there too. So yeah, you know, you got guys in there that, that worry us. So yeah, I've seen those guys. I know what they're capable of. So when look when looking at this West Brom team from maybe an outside perspective, a lot of a lot of the teams in Championship often have you know a player who's scoring twenty thirty goals. You know we got Mitrovic, you got Watkins at Brentford. So you've had Dwight Gale before. Do you think one of the best things is sort of this sort of goals coming from all around the park in this side? Yeah, we're not really had a choice in that regard. We've not really got that talisman striker that the other teams at the top of the table have got. Um, 
we've had to really rely on our midfield. Hal Robson Conu scored 10 goals this season and that's his best goal scoring season of his career. Um, to be fair to the guy, he was originally a left winger. So, you know, but when you've got strikers that are not really getting far beyond double digits, then you really have to rely on other players around the pitch to step up. And to be fair, a lot of our players have done that. Look, so looking at West Brom, do you think if they were to get the victory on Tuesday night, would you then be thinking that top two is pretty much sorted or you still be fairly worried looking behind yourself at Brentford? Um, I don't, I'm not the type of person to say it's done until it's done. But I think if we beat you, you're, you're the last major hurdle for us now, I think. So if we do come away with a victory, then I would be uh, much more comfortable going into the last two games. Um I, I think if we come into it with a draw, um, I, I think we're very capable of taking a couple of victories, a victory and a draw from the last two games. I really don't want to see us lose tomorrow because then I will start looking over my shoulder a lot. But yeah, victory tomorrow for me puts us right on the finish line. And so if, if when, when, you, when you go on and talk about, obviously, this game, so would you say this is the biggest game you have left? You say your last two victories are the most winnable then? Yeah, this is absolutely the the, the final big hurdle for us. Um, we know what, for, like, as you say, the game earlier in the season, you, you showed you're more than capable of, of giving us a game. So I think it's much more must win for you guys if you're still pushing for top two, which I suspect you are. So I think uh, we could have our backs against the wall a little bit. We've got to see how we deal with that. Um, I think it's winnable for us, but you know, it's one of those games that are also, you know, we could get a thump in if we're not on it. So it's tough to call. So how do you, how have you been impressed with West Brom since the restart? What have you made sort of with them, obviously them having that time off and sort of coming back really? We started slow. We struggled, um, not just pick, uh, with picking up points, we struggled to create anything. And then uh, it kind of clicked to go on a run of three games we should have we should have had Blackburn put away by half time. Um, so yeah, I, I'm pretty happy that we're in 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 full flow now. We're playing well. Um, so yeah, I'm quite pleased. I mean, I'd have loved to have done what Brentford have done, but you know, you can't really expect to win every game the way they have. So yeah, I'm I'm fairly pleased with with the way we've coped with the restart. So for let's let's say the Fulham fans who haven't watched loads of West Brom games this season, how would you sort of describe the way Billich has got them playing at the moment? Um, I think a lot of people still look at West Brom as the side that was in the Premier League under Tony Pulis. And if you can think of a team that is so opposite to the way we used to play, then that's the West Brom team you've got now. We're so enjoyable to watch. I mean... Uh, if when you've got quality players that we have that are tearing up the league, then it's easy to watch. And I think the game on Tuesday is going to be very watchable. Do you think that this West Brom side maybe is not getting maybe all the credit they deserve? Because a lot of people obviously focusing on Leeds because it's probably going to be the season they eventually get back to the Premier League. Everyone been looking at obviously uh, Brentford. Do you think maybe not? Maybe not West Brom haven't gone under the radar. Maybe people don't actually realise how good the football that West Brom have been playing this season it really is. Um, I think from some quarters it's been that way. I know you know uh, Sky Sports like to keep tweeting montages of Mateus Pereira, which is you know fun to see. Um, if I'm honest, I'd, I'd rather it be that way. You know, you don't want you don't want players being looked at from other teams and and you know getting their eye turned. So I'm happy if you know I, I enjoy the football. I'm not going now, but when I'm there, I enjoy the football. So you know, I, I'm not really one too bothered about how other people see the team. So if you if we're looking on to Tuesday's game, how do you expect Billets to line West Brom up? Uh, it will probably go four two three one, which is, uh, I would say, our safe formation. I think at times this season he's gone four three three and played Kravinovic in the middle, which uh, for me uh, is is far better for the way we play with our attacking football. But I, I I think he wants to come out of this game with anything but a defeat. So I see him shoring up the middle of the park with Livermore and Sawyer's. 
and uh, we will probably go with the two deep line midfielders. So, looking ahead to the game, finally, what is your prediction ahead of it coming up? I'm going to be annoying and sit on the fence and go for a draw. I think it's going to be a really tight game. It's going to be a tense game. Um, I can't call it either way. So I'll stick with a draw. Thank you to Wayne from All Things Albion and, of course, to Don Betts for doing the interview. Um, I, I wonder if, like, Don Betts is missing the concourses at the moment. You know, Do you think in his own house, when he's watching these games, he's still going to the kitchen after 30 minutes to get a pint? Or do you think he actually is watching the full games now that he can just watch it from his living room? I'd be, I'd be interested to know his new routine in lockdown. I feel like we need to ask him this next time he's on the podcast. I think, I think he just no. turns up the crowd noise in the back background just so that he can just hear if a goal goes in and then he'll run in <laughs> i think i think now the pubs are reopened i don't think he even bothered as even bothered watching he definitely definitely hasn't watched on friday he'll be down the pub oh yeah fair point just kind of occasionally checking on his phone but then i the thing that always amazes me with dom is how he doesn't watch that much of the games and then comes on and does like the most perfect analysis of like everything that happened even though i know that he didn't watch it and he probably hasn't watched it back and i'm like <laughs> not sure how you do it it's some kind of wizardry how you're able to do this analysis but anyway let's go to some of your questions and the new tradition now we start with some of our fulhamish kofi backers thank you to everyone uh who has uh supported us on kofi of course uh, this one from will I'm not sure if it's Will Lyon or Will Leon. It's spelt like the French city, so we'll go with Leon. Um, three playoff runs in four seasons. The core of the squad is experienced in these situations. How much do you think this will help this time around? AF, it's a very good point. I look at our squad over all the other teams that could be in the playoffs, apart from maybe West Brom if they do end up in the playoffs. And we've got the experience and that will count for an awful lot in a playoff campaign. Yeah, I mean, we noticed how much of a difference I think it made last season, um, just having that experience of what had happened to us. All the fans knew it, but there is this year as well. The playoffs are going to be very different without any fans. So there's going to be less, you know, nerves, I would say, probably, because you can play it a lot more like a normal game. But uh, looking through our team this season, you know, you've got Ream still playing in there. Uh, Obviously, you've got Knockhart's actually had experience in the championship a lot before. Onoma was in the playoffs obviously against us for Villa and then he got Mitrovic so he's the, the main talisman for that I think it will have a big impact on how we prepare for the game uh, for well for the playoffs generally I think the experience will help especially with Kearney coming back into the squad hopefully we just don't rush him back in because otherwise you rush him back in and suddenly you're left without that experience yeah I mean, just thinking, remember about Knockhart's playoff experience. Knockhart probably has had the worst playoff experience of all time, missing that penalty for Leicester against Watford. And then Watford went up the other end of the pitch and scored. So he might be slightly haunted by the idea of the playoffs, which um, is not is not great. Uh, right, let's cross over to some of our questions on Twitter. This one from Nick Griffith. He says, I really think Christie has improved as of late on the right-hand side. His attacking threat up the pitch is great and is currently doing a solid job at the back as well. Do you think he's deserving of the right-back spot permanently and moving Adoy in the middle to partner Hector? Now, this is a point I hadn't really considered, but we've often been talking about Tim Ream and you know, his somewhat patchy performances, although I dare say he actually played mostly well um, on Friday. It's not a terrible idea from Nick Drew. I think I think there's some sensibility to this, although it feels like a strange time of the season to change a centre-back pairing. Yeah, um, I, I agree with Christie. I think he's, um, he's, he's always, we always say he's improving, but actually, you know, at some point we have to say that he, he actually is, you know, a really capable fullback. Obviously he has his, he has his, um, he has his drawbacks, but in terms of Adoy, I think if you put, he doesn't, he can play across the back four, we know that, but I don't think he plays centre-back particularly well. And I think, I think for me, he's better on, um, he's better as a fullback, but I, I would, um, I would say it's much of a muchness because, you know, Adoy at, at centre-back, I think is probably the same as, as Ream in terms of ability at the moment, a, a, a Ream in a, a, not at his peak. So, I would say it's six of one, half a dozen of the other, um, particularly at this point leading, running into the playoffs when we're talking about momentum being so key, I would, I, I really wouldn't do it. Um, and obviously if we end up going up, then you know, God love him. I, I think we'd probably be looking at getting upgrades on both. Yeah, indeed. Uh, this one from Daniel, uh, I'll go to you on this one, Isabel. Um, 
Do you think Scott is slowly but surely building something? Last few games, it's been a more clear plan with centre midfielders getting forward more and making runs into the box. Still not quite clear what wingers are being told to do, but overall, I think we're looking more like a solid team. I guess this isn't necessarily a question from Daniel, but more just he's raised his thoughts on this. Do you agree with him? Because I think it seems quite sensible. He is slowly building something. It's whether we want him to continue building it next season, I guess is another question, but there's definitely something there in the last few games. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. I just think it's a bit late, Scott. Like, I think we wanted to see see us, you know, look slick and well-oiled earlier on. I think we've had really bad results. So yeah, it's a bit late, but as, um, sorry, I didn't catch the name of that, the person that asked the question. but uh, they Daniel. Make- Daniel. Um, yeah, I think we did see flashes of um I don't like to compare to when we went up the previously but I mean we saw flashes of you know what makes us so hard to play against um you know driving up the pitch and really attractive football and against Cardiff I did just think yeah it worked Scott was really ambitious he you know taking Arthur off putting Johansson on um really good calls with the subs I thought the lineup pretty much perfect so yeah no really good point but um is a little bit late, but I'm glad it's come. <laughs> yeah. Um, next question, I'll go to you, AF, uh, from Latifa Dean. Um, Latifa has said, has Harry Arter redeemed himself with recent performances or is he still the joker in the pack? Now, I feel like I got very angry with Harry Arter after the Leeds game. I think I may have said he was a fraud, um, which maybe was a little bit harsh, but, you know, I was upset. Um <laughs> I still am not massively convinced, but he has put in some better performances and I'm not just going on the fact he scored um, a couple of pingers. Has he redeemed himself a little bit or do you still think that it's a bit nuts that Scott has so much faith in him? I was I was chatting to my dad about this exact point yesterday after the game and it's uh, just a case that with Harry Arthur, I always feel like he's a second away from making a really rash mistake and that's not something I want in the centre of our midfield. Um, so I don't think he's... I think he's gone and done a lot of redeeming for himself but for me I would still replace him with Stefan Johansson um they are very different players he has scored a lot of goals with Arta but he was also dispossessed more than any other Fulham player in that game as well so I think to uh, the question I think he can still be deemed the joker in the pack um but if Scott continues playing him and he continues to score goals and play okay then I guess he'll stick in the um in the game Okay. Uh, Drew, this one from Baumler, Baumler, no idea, at Dabomler. Um, Anyway, uh, he's asking about the playoffs and which sides we wouldn't want to face in there. I think it seems a bit inevitable that we're going to face Nottingham Forest, but let's say we get up to third and we displace either West Brom or Brentford, whoever. There's kind of five or six sides who do still have a very realistic chance of getting into the playoffs. You've got everything from Cardiff in sixth, Swansea in seventh, Preston in eighth, Millwall ninth, Derby 10th, Bristol City in 11th. Um, Blackburn in 12th could get into the playoffs if they really pulled their socks up. And, you know, it was a good result yesterday against West Brom. Um, Who out of those sides would you like to play? Um, And who out of those sides would you rather avoid I mean I'm kind of like I'd take them all on although I'd be a bit wary of Derby just because I reckon with the Rooney factor I don't know I imagine everyone would be falling over them and he'd score some 90 yard free kick and everyone would think it's the second coming yeah that's true um you know what? I, I, I always feel like games against Preston are always horrible, niggly affairs, and they always seem to, more often than not, get the better of us. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fancy playing Preston if they managed to break in. Um, I think what's so good about the last couple of games is, um, you know, we we they were quite. Uh, not straightforward wins. Well, yeah, I mean, fairly run-of-the-mill wins against in, against Forest and City, uh, Cardiff City. So, like that, that has made me a lot more relaxed. If we if we did end up having. Uh, it did end up going uh, to to third, although of course we're going to play one of them anyway. I think, um, but yeah, out of the rest of the chasing pack, the team I'd like to play the least is definitely uh, Preston. I think. Um, Isabel, what's your thoughts on um, who you think you'd like to face or not face in, in a playoff semi final? And, and we can talk about this now safely. We know mathematically we're in the playoffs, so it's not tempting fate to start talking about playoff opponents. I'm like you, Sammy. I think bring them all on. Literally, we should be that ambitious. We're Fulham. Like apart from 
Brentford, I would say. I do think they are our bogey team. I think we really crack under the pressure with them. But and obviously with their form at the minute, but the rest of them bring them on. Like we, we should be ambitious. We should, um, yeah, we should 100% feel confident enough to beat the rest of them where we're at and with our players. Here, here. Okay, right. Well, that pretty much is it for the Fulhamish podcast today. So we will be back probably Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, uh, looking back at that West Brom game. Um, so much riding on it, and uh, not just for us um, for once. I, I feel a bit like um, Chelsea when they've uh, won the leagues for um, Leicester and Liverpool, respectively. Like you've got another team cheering you on. Um, but sadly, that team is bloody Brentford. It's just a. A horrible situation we found ourselves in, but all we can do, as we've kind of agreed on this podcast, uh, is win our games and fingers crossed that's exactly what we do on Tuesday. So new pod will be out on Wednesday. Um, Drew, we need to name this podcast. So um, what what three word review was your favourite and what would you like to name the show? Um, in honour of all of the barbers across the country reopening and everybody getting fresh trims in the Fulham squad, including our dear Mitrovic, uh, barbers make car difference. Barbers make car difference. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you very much for listening today. As I said, we will be back in the week looking at that West Brom game. Fingers crossed we can get all three points. Thank you to my guest, Hannibal Carson. Uh, Cheers, Sammy. Thank you. Drew Heatley. Thanks, Sammy. And Isabel Barker. Thanks so much. Cheers. We'll be back in the week. Come on, you whites.